This was so, so fun. I can't imagine what it was like for people watching it as a, as a fan because it's just a, someone in the in press row. I mean, the, these are the type of games you do this job to cover, right? I mean, these are two excellent basketball teams. I'm with Bruce Pearl in saying that I think Kentucky has what it takes to be a Final Four team. I mean, I just the makeup. They need to tweak some things. And they need to stay healthier in their backcourt, obviously, but. Um, I mean, this is the stakes and the and the environment. And this was in the this is in January, man. Like we're not even we're not even in February yet. We're not, March is still a piece away, and it's like that's how just on edge everything was in this game. Somebody who was fortunate enough to go to the games as a young kid, because not everybody could do that, but like it was easier to get tickets at one point. Yeah. This is something that's hard to fathom. The amount of interest that Bruce Pearl has created for his program is something that I've wondered aloud. Like, did he really ever expect it to quite be like this? I, that's, I, I, uh, that's a great question. That's a question I might ask him at some point this season, because yeah, I mean, a former uh, sports writer and a buddy of mine, Zach Ellis, who used to work at Sports Illustrated pointed out like Bruce Pearl has done this twice now. Like at Tennessee, he took a team that had never, you know, really had a ton of, um, success like long-term consistently historically to the number one team in the country and he's done it now again at Auburn I mean there's just so much that you have to get right it's exactly happened over and over and over again I guess we need it we need to discuss this here's a question I have for you if you were a college student would you have camped out Friday night because I think your answer is different from mine I would not have I I do not think I am dedicated enough and i want to shout out pablo and ali and anyone else who oh, was involved i think them. they were probably Ex- more yeah. than than just them they were the, the amount of people donating yeah i mean thousands of dollars you know to 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 fortify the troops there but then they gave a ton of money to the to the outlive foundation uh which is really really cool to see and like I, you know, I posted the tweet about it on on Friday, and and I I don't want I didn't want it to be taken the wrong way, so I want to clarify here again. It's like when I said the you know I said this fan base is delightfully unhinged. It's like yeah, because like everything they do, they just go 150 freaking miles an hour, and everything. It's like hey, we're gonna you know raise some money uh, for some you know supplies so people can uh, so those uh, students you know can have stuff to eat, stay hydrated, you know keep them up, get them up and and. Uh, you know, up and at them in the, in the morning and Auburn fans are like, here, here are thousands of dollars here. Have them. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. But yeah, you you were saying, I, I think I would have probably been someone who would have passed through the village, hopefully kind enough to bring some party favors. Absolutely mm-hmm. love that all those people did that, but I don't think I can go far enough and give myself credit that I would have been out there in those temperatures Knowing what I know about myself now, and especially knowing what I know about myself at the time I was 20 or 21. I would be so afraid that I would just be dead by morning, not have the energy to like bring my A game. Well, um, you know the but, body odor was something else in there. It smelled crazy. Maybe in better weather, I would have probably tried to stick it out if I was a student, but like, nah, ain't no way I was doing it. You know, it, was, it was as cold as it is here. So like... Every one of y'all, yeah, so yeah, some of y'all are listening. Like, I know you're listening. Like, dadgum, y'all are, y'all are just insane. Um, but that's that's what Auburn basketball is at this point. This it's an insane trip. It's an it's an insane fan base. It's, it's an insane team. Not only in how they play, just talent wise, and, and and the success level at this point. We're 
reaching unprecedented heights as a program. That's the thing. It's like, you can keep saying about this team. It's like, you know, they need to, <laughs> they need to play a good, like complete 40 minutes. And I think this was as close as probably they had, even though the first 10 minutes wasn't great. This team hasn't peaked. This team hadn't come close to peaking yet. I don't think. Yeah. I, I was talking to our friend, Dave McKinney and I was like, you know, I don't think we played that well. And he's like, well, we scored 51 points in the second half painter. So <laughs> like, I, you know, and then I looked at the stats and we shot like 56% from the field and like 37% from three. And it was like, Okay, Dave. Yeah, like maybe I'm letting those first few minutes cloud my, cloud my judgment. Yeah, I know. I think I think that's I, th- I think that's part of it. They they've gotten to the point now where, you know, if they ever hit a stretch where it's not going well, it's like what in the world's happening? Like that's just kind of it's a college basketball team. These are these are 19, 18, 19, 20, 21 year old uh, kids, and then Zeb Jasper is like older than me probably, but. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that usually happens to teams like this that just hadn't happened yet. And like, again, they're still probably going to lose multiple games between now and the end of the season. But like, you got to just let this thing ride as far as it can go because we thought coming into the season this had the potential to be the best team Auburn had. I don't know if we necessarily had the had the thought process in mind that it was like this could be the best team in, in America. You talked about it with Kempom. It's it's gotten bumped down now because games have changed, but. They're the only team in the country right now that are top 12 in offense and defense, suggested uh, officially on Ken Palm. They're number five right now. That's more than enough to get up. I know Jesse Newell was the public enemy number one this week. Um, he seemed to indicate on Twitter that that, that he's, you know, number one's going to happen or, you know, at least moving him up on the uh, on the rankings. Auburn's going to get that spot, but um, Ken Palm currently has Auburn now that they've gotten past Kentucky. They haven't projected to go 16 and two in the SEC and go 28 and three. And we'll see what happens later. We're recording this. Um, we're recording this right before they, uh, they tip off at, uh, at Bud Walton arena, but Texas A&M and Arkansas are, are about to play. If Arkansas wins at home, as expected, Auburn will be two games in front of everybody in the SEC. And then, yeah, like currently, Auburn is currently projected to win the SEC by three games. That's that's stupid. Like that is that is utterly stupid to think about. Yeah, I, I will say, like, there's plenty of room for Auburn to drop some games. I actually think oh, I yeah. don't expect it to be against teams like Tennessee, for instance. Like, I like our chances in a game like that. I think one game you've circled, and I'm with you on this. State is Mississippi State. Yeah. Like between. Their talent level and how they match up, like that's a game that you could drop. Arkansas figures it out. Yes, 100%. 100%. I will say, though, like right now, Auburn's put themselves in the driver's seat because basically what? Like Kentucky almost can't lose another game because like Auburn may drop two, but right now I don't think we're likely to drop three. No, but but look at look at it this way. Um, the The road games Auburn has left are Missouri – Georgia, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. Um, if Auburn splits those, they're SEC champion. If they split those and hold serve at home, they're SEC champions. Split. And, you know, those are games that, uh, that some of those are, should be just quite easy uh, for them to pull off. And then they've got some rematches coming up. It's and, in a great spot to take home a regular season title. As I wrote in the observations on, on, on Saturday evening, like, for so long, Auburn basketball has been looking up at Kentucky. And even even in this stretch here recently, with the exception of when they won last year because Kentucky was so bad and the COVID year was so weird, for most of that stretch where Auburn's had success at home in Auburn Arena against Kentucky, it has had the feel of like, oh, we took down the big bad uh, Kentucky. You know, you slayed Goliath. 
Auburn is now looking down at the rest of the SEC and says, no, nah, we're Goliath now. Like, that's that's where you've gotten to at this point, you know? And I'm not saying Auburn's here to stay forever, right? I think this is a uniquely special uh, collection of players because of you have a Jabari, because you have a Walker, because you have some of these transfer guards, and they're all just fitting at the right spot at the right time. Enjoy it while it lasts. You're also in a point now where you feel like this is going to start being expected that when you look at Auburn's track record over the last few seasons, no one's had a better record in the SEC over like the last four years, I think in the, in, in the SEC four or five years, um, Auburn's becoming virtually impossible to beat at home, especially if you're a good team, um, seven straight against ranked teams at home. This is exactly where you want to be as a program. You talk about success, going to final fours, winning the SEC and all that. There's, there's a lot of accomplishments still left to be done. This is, I mean, Auburn's not even at the halfway point of SEC play yet, but when you win a game like this, you start looking around and you're thinking if you're Auburn, like this is the pinnacle of where you can be as a program in the SEC where you are in a position that you're fighting for a number one seed, you're fighting for a regular season championship, you're one of the best teams in college basketball. If you can maintain a level of this moving forward where you don't always have to be up this this high and not be a number one team in the country. But if you're flirting with top 10, top 15 year in and year out, you are better than like only a small number of college basketball teams, programs in the country, because there's so much variance that comes with college basketball because of the way the rosters change. And I think Auburn fans like to do the thing that a lot of fan bases do where they think everyone's out to get them. And there are some notable instances of where it does feel like Auburn is maybe not getting a fair rub with some media members or whatever. And I think Bruce's like own past and Bruce's reputation for better or worse is something that like that gets in the way and that clouds some judgment for some people. But like, as you look at what has happened over the last four and five years, Auburn has, like you said, quietly become perhaps the most successful team in the league. Maybe that was sort of easy to ignore, not intentionally for all those things I just mentioned about like slights and biases, but like, Auburn won the regular season and then flamed out that year. Auburn went to the Final Four, but wasn't that impressive during conference play that season. And then Auburn ends up having this great team with all these seniors on it, and Isaac Okoro, and they go, what, 25-6? and six, But the season gets canceled and then just has an underwhelming season last year because of a whole host of reasons. And suddenly you look up, and after five years, Auburn has Jabari Smith, and Auburn has these this really impressive front court with these guards who bring all this energy and a couple of pieces like Jalen Williams and Devin Cambridge. And you're going, Holy smokes. Like they're, they're, they're not losing games at home. I don't think anymore, whether it's incidental or not, that people can ignore what Bruce Pearl has done. They're going to be the number one team in the country. They're going to have that milestone. And then it, then it kind of gets to a point now it's like, well, you hit number one, you've done something that you've never done before. And now for moving forward, it's just, okay, the rest of the regular season, it's about just taking care of business. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to keep this going, you know, indefinitely for it, for you to be in it. You have put yourself in the driver's seat. Again, we will see what happens with A&M and, and, and Arkansas later today, but, like, you could have a multi-game lead before the halfway point in the in the SEC race. That is absurd to think about. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I don't think anybody would have really – imagine what would happen even if you were high on the sovereign basketball team heading into the season it's just clicked in such a way that it's going to be a season i i mean unless they collapse and i don't think they will i just there's too much talent they're playing too well on, on both ends of the floor to do it 
this is a season that's going to be talked about for a very, very long time. And I, and I don't necessarily care about, you know, what they do in the postseason, you know, just because of the single elimination effect in both the SEC and in the NCAA tournament. Like this, you know, Auburn's on, on the precipice of history and, and, and having a team where it's like, yeah, there's only like a handful of teams or maybe even fewer than that in Auburn basketball history where you can look at it and say, yeah, they, they that might have been just as good of a season or, or in the in, in that in that ballpark. Big picture wise, Auburn is is at the highest point they've ever been as a program. I think in a long, long time. I don't think they're coming down any, anytime soon. So we've talked a lot about the effects of it. Let's talk about the game itself. Uh, what do you say we uh, do an intro and, and start this thing the right way, Banner? Let's let it rip. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the free edition, the recap edition of Auburn, Kentucky. Also have some football to talk about here at the end. This is going to be a big, big episode talking all about Auburn's win over the Kentucky Wildcats. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless up there in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. What is up? Painter, you're feeling good. You were, oh my goodness! You've also you've also gotten back to your uh, you, you've also gotten back to your aggressive ways online. Oh, terribly obnoxious! People are mad. There, there, there are some that are very mad online. Um, Terminally, it's so funny though. It's like the the amount of Kentucky fans who were like, "Well, this was your Super Bowl." <laughs> you know, we're still the biggest name in town. It's like, no, you're the biggest game because of you're the highest like of what your team is right now you know yeah sure i mean it, being kentucky and the name and the brand does a lot and that's a huge reason why you're in the spot that you're in right now but like you know if if i'll tell you this if what what rank was kentucky I, i've already forgotten Painter. were they 12th, 12th and we were second yeah if lsu was 12th in the country if definitely if alabama was 12th in the country if tennessee was 12th in the country um and your closest competition in the in the league and Auburn had a big Saturday game on national TV with that, um, you know, uh, a noon game on CBS. I'm sure people would have been camping out for that one, too. I saw people line up almost all the way to Mama G's to get into a game against Georgia. And Georgia's awful. So, yeah, I mean, it's become the it's become the cliche on, on Auburn Twitter. And it's and it's true. It's like, nah, y'all were just next. And in this case, y'all were next with with a lot on the line. Um, it's not just the fact that it's like, oh, it's Kentucky. So like, yeah, I mean, yes, it is Kentucky. Yes, it is a big game. But like, also, it's what this represented more for right now than it was that. Yeah, you've won nine hundred million SEC titles, and and you're you're the winningest program in college basketball history. And yet, and yet, people want to go ahead and prove online that they are not mad. And please do not tell the newspaper I'm they got mad. mad. I'm not owned. Like yes, you're you're hitting me with the drill tweet. Please say it again. I cut you off. No, I mean I, the meme thing. Okay, so the meme invasion happens, and Kentucky fans like the, like 
there were so many Kentucky fans online that just kept taking the bait. Like, they were biting. No one's denying that you are one of, if not the greatest <laughs> program in college basketball. And it's like, you know what? Like, I'm not saying your basketball program's not fantastic and that it John is. Calipari doesn't put lots of players in the NBA, although I might argue that maybe he could do a little bit better with all that talent. I'm just saying, like, we won today. Did your team win? And they just kept biting. They kept biting over and over and over again. And it's like... Just take the L and move on. Like, uh, this Kentucky team, I'm, I'm with Bruce Pearl. Like, if Ty Ty Washington stays healthy, it's a different game. Um, that team is talented enough and good enough, I think, to make a really deep run in March. This is, this is you know, Auburn and Kentucky are the class of the SEC. I think Auburn's better, but, you know, I think... It, the margins are small, and yeah. you're right. Like, let's not pretend like an injury doesn't matter. It right. absolutely does, and... Wheeler was going through it, although I, I think that's more on his teammates for either not letting him know uh, screen or he didn't hear him. But, you know, I mean, it was a perfectly legal screen. Hitting a concrete embankment, embankment over and over again. Was it the guy who tweeted at you earlier in the week? I can't remember if it was you or somebody else, but it was the one where it's like, we don't get up for anything that's not the final four. And it's like, it's been seven years since y'all got there. You were giving yourself a lot of credit. You might want to look into Blue Chew. <laughs> It's just a it's 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 incredible, really. But enough of that. Let's talk about the actual basketball game uh, because there's a lot of the actual basketball game to talk about and discuss and dissect because it was a really really fun one. Auburn with the big win over Kentucky, eighty to seventy one. I I would say the biggest regular season game in terms of anticipation in definitely in Auburn Arena history. Uh, Sonny Smith was on the drive on Thursday, and I went on on Friday, and uh, Bill. Uh, Cameron, the absolute god, and Dan were telling me that like Sonny Smith was like, "No, nah, this is the biggest one." Like, <laughs> like Sonny, like Sonny, you know, coached some really big ones at Auburn. He's like, "Yeah, no, nah, this is it." Uh, Bruce said it after the game. He was like, "It's so hard to live up to expectations," and it delivered. I mean, the game yeah. itself, <laughs> the environment. I, I will say for all the people, all the fans out there who uh, the students that camped out, it's probably good that you won because man, that'd have been tough. It'd have been tough to put in all that time and effort and then watch your team lose like that. Just walk out of there smelly. Whew. 80 to 71, though. But in the first 10 minutes of the game, it looked like Auburn was in trouble, was in significant trouble. Man, this is this is the nice part, though, for when you get down with this team, you're not worried. Yeah, so in the first 10 minutes of the game, uh, the first quarter, if you will, Kentucky won it. Um, they only won it by three, but Auburn kept turning the ball over. And that was leading to quick baskets on the other end from Kentucky. Kentucky got some second chance points. Oscar Shibway, uh, who was, I mean, he's hes the most physically imposing basketball player I've ever seen uh, in person. It's just his arms are are ridiculous. If he, if he, so what's the deal there? Because like Walker played him well, he got his numbers that you, as you wrote in your story, but he's like significantly smaller than Walker in terms of height. He's just, he's just a physical freak show, man. I don't know what the deal is with him, but he he is he's he's dominant and he's one of the most dominant players we've seen in college basketball in a long time. But yeah, Auburn was making a ton of mistakes, and, and then you looked up and there was this big 13-0 run. You know, Kentucky's up by Kentucky's up by 10. It's like, well, if Auburn keeps turning the ball over and giving Kentucky easy possessions, getting beat around a little bit inside physically, um, yeah, this could be bad for Auburn because Kentucky's got a lot of talent and a lot of physical, uh, you know, 
just a lot of physical skill uh, that they bring to the table because of their height, because of their power, because of their athleticism, because it happened a little bit later. But Jacob Toppin doing the 360 dunk, like that's that's one of those things where you look up and you're like, yeah, Kentucky has that. Kentucky has a dude like that dude didn't even start for him. That guy's fully capable of hitting a 360 in a game. By the way, the Toppin family has to be the most athletic uh, family ever. Um, he hits a 360, and it's like, yeah, he, he comes off the bench for that team. Two of the best dunks I've ever seen live have happened against Auburn this year. The 360, and then, of course, J.D. Davidson uh, and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah. And if it's if I'm not mistaken, I think Devin tripped a little bit on his dunk and still managed to finish. Yeah, that was <laughs> – yeah, some of the stuff he's been able to pull off this year is crazy. But, yeah, I mean – I think the big thing in this game is when Auburn takes care of the ball, they just look like a completely different team. And and the one thing about Auburn, you can say this season, though, is that they do take care of the ball. They're 31st in the country in turnover percentage. They've had a couple of games in SEC play where they've just barely turned it over. And and Kentucky, credit to Kentucky's defense, they use all that athleticism and all that. They had a great game plan. Bruce Pearl talked about it. It's like, we had to adjust. Kentucky was making life difficult. And it felt like every possession of the first half, Auburn was having to grind to get anything. And yet they still scored a decent amount. Um, but when they take care of the ball, just things start to sing for this offense. And you could tell Wendell Green got a little bit out of control at times and had some turnover issues. But Zepp Jasper, man, the the consistency he brings to the table is crazy. It's just – it's wild. He Plus 17 in 17 minutes for a guy that – I mean, his stat line doesn't look great on, on paper, but then you look and it's like Auburn, like he had one of the best offensive ratings anybody's had on Auburn's team this year. Um, the game just gets played better when he's on the floor for him. And yeah, he's just such a steady hand. And when Auburn calmed down, stopped turning the ball over, started executing more on offense, made some adjustments, it was Auburn's game. It was Auburn's game from, from there on out. Um, they were, I believe it was... Uh, Let's see. PJ, or sorry, I keep calling PJ Washington, former um, Kentucky player. Ty Ty Washington hit that shot, and he and he goes out. He and Kentucky's up by nine. Auburn ends up winning by nine. It's an eighteen point swing without Washington on the floor. Um, that definitely one hundred percent matters in this game. Bruce Pearl talked about it. Um, I mean, I think anybody that wants to shrug it off will say, you know, just kind of being dishonest. This game's different. I'm not saying it's not an Auburn win. But this game's definitely different if Ty Ty Washington's on the floor. You could tell during the game why Auburn went after that guy um, as hard as they did. But Auburn was chipping away before Washington went down. You know, it was that big run. They fought back. They had a little bit of a bad stretch even with Washington out of the game. Severe Wheeler kept running into walls. Um, so that kind of limited the flow of it. But Auburn just had to take care of business, and they did. And, and it was just nothing spectacular, nothing crazy. They didn't have to go wild from deep. Um, they didn't have to, they didn't have to do things they hadn't done before. It was just, Hey, take care of the ball and, and let the talent speak for itself. And when they did, I mean, they, they went a long stretch in that second half without turning the ball over. And that was when the game completely flipped and it turned from, ah, Auburn might come back in this one and hang in there to, Oh, Auburn's got a, you know, Auburn's got a 12 point lead. Yeah, I mean, I guess as far as I'm concerned, like the Ty Ty Washington thing's got to be frustrating for them. Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think the LSU game, they had something similar happen. Um, it is sort of odd that we are talking about depth issues for a team like Kentucky, though. And they've had they had a couple guys earlier in the year uh, get hurt. Right, right. Um, so it, it is kind of It just, has been a bad break. They have yeah. had some bad breaks. That's yeah, a little snake-bitten. But if you're Auburn, you still have to do the job, right? 
Kentucky had the injuries and they and it still didn't hand the game to Auburn. Auburn had to hold serve, um, as 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 Bruce Pearl said. The big one to me though, we talked about Shibway and and what a what a game he had uh, for Kentucky, but he was pretty much it down low. And Shibway is a dominant player, the most dominant, like I said, we've seen in college basketball in a while. But Auburn's got their two most talented recruits they've ever had playing in the front court. One guy who could be the number one overall pick in the draft. The other one, a uniquely gifted seven footer, um, unlike any other in college basketball this this season. You put that together, that outweighs it. And then when you see Auburn's Auburn go downhill, and you see Alan Flanagan fight for rebounds. You see Katie Johnson go up and get some big boy rebounds. You see other guys kind of chip in. Shebway, this stat. I mean, I'm, I'm still stunned by this stat, and this is from the observation. So if you've, you, if you're a subscriber, you've already heard this yet. But I wanted everybody else to kind of hear it as well. Our free listeners, um, go back to the game. Shebway had 14 boards. Kentucky had 26 for the game. Auburn had 27. It's only the second time all season Kentucky's lost the paint battle. The other one was that weird loss they had earlier in the year to, to Notre Dame. Um, four of the rebounds were team rebounds, which are ones that go out of bounds and, and you know stay with Kentucky or it's a turnover to Kentucky. That means nine other players who touched the floor for Kentucky combined for eight rebounds. Keon Brooks had three. Kellen Grady had two. So that means the other seven players, they played 99 minutes together, three rebounds. Auburn attacked this game and the, bo- and the boards battle like a team. Offensively, they scored a lot in the paint. They scored a lot on two-pointers. They got to the free-throw line a lot. They got downhill. Um, They did that because two is better than one. And as great as that one is, in in the case of Sheway for uh, Kentucky, the fact that Auburn has Kessler and Smith playing together, and then you have Jalen Williams chip in and have a really good game to the point where you didn't get much out of Dylan Carwell on this one, and it was fine. That front court, and then when you chip in the, the back court, doing some of the dirty work, doing some of the grown man basketball stuff that you need to do, whereas Kentucky had to really, really rely on their one guy to kind of take it, you can see where the depth really, really starts to, to pan out for Auburn. Auburn hit 68% of their shots from two-point range. Kentucky just 52%. Auburn got to the free throw line a lot more as well, uh, a ton more. Uh, got some calls at home, which you know I think Auburn fans have been waiting to see for a while. Have that foul foul uh, call battle go firmly in their way in a game at home to win the paint battle against the best paint presence in the country. You have to do it as a team, and, and that's what Bruce was saying after the game. Everybody's got to do a part of it. I still think one of the defining characteristics of this team is how how well they don't get too high or too low. You know, at any point, right? They feel like they can come back from any deficit. Um, you know, and they don't get too high. It was like after the game, Bruce was saying like, yeah, it was, it was I mean, they went and celebrated with the fans because they were crazy. They got in the locker room and it was like, you know, you dance, you, you have a little bit, but it wasn't like this wild, for the stakes involved, wasn't like this because it's like, yeah, on to the next one. Katie Johnson, Katie Johnson had the best game efficiency-wise of the season for him. He had 17 points, 6 of 7 from the line, 3 of 5 from deep, had a really, really tough uh, two-point layup at one point in the game. And he's back out there right after right after interviews getting shots up like this team this team they know how much this meant to the fan base they know how much this means to the program to get this win to put themselves in the spot they are they know how much Love it meant for the, SEC the race. players uh yeah. out there the football players out there returning the favor yeah man yeah Derek hall jarquez hunter just out there making it happen there were others obviously there as well the excitement level was high uh, you saw Auburn's coaching staff, uh, you know, get involved with it as well, stopping by the by the tent city. 
to the fact where Bruce Pearl's after the game talking about like engineering plans to you know change the front of the arena so that they can make it easier for people to camp out. Like this is going to be something they expect to do more often. If there's anything you can say about Bruce Pearl, he's an excellent basketball coach. He's going to go down as one of the best to do it at the college level. Um, and you know what he's done at Auburn is nothing short of, of, of remarkable. The man knows how to sell a program, and the man knows how to draw up interest, and he's an ideas man through and through. This dude is a promoter, and when he's uh, he's in the post game talking about like, yeah, we, I bet I can get some donors to like get us to redesign that. It's like, yeah, you probably could, dude. Like that's 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 how good he is at the, at that part of the gig. Well, he's done all the hard work. Like he probably had to do some convincing the first few years. Oh, for sure. Now the convincing isn't really necessary. Proof of concept. We're there, I think. But I, I was just, I was so amazed in this game for Auburn, how, you know, in a game where I thought, yeah, if you can neutralize them in the paint um, and then hit some shots from the outside, you probably pull away and win this game. And they, they won this game being a better team on the inside um, in terms of efficiency. Uh, they rebounded the ball a little better. I mean, Sheboy got his numbers, but nobody else really did. They got at the free throw line. They got to the free throw line. You could see it early on that Alan Flanagan was getting downhill and he was going to make it happen. How about the free throw shooting for Auburn? There was a long stretch before they even missed one in the second half. Their best free throw rate of the season. They convert with their opportunities. Guys were clutch down the stretch. Everybody chips in. Kentucky, it's not saying Kentucky doesn't have depth. I mean, Kellen Grady, that dude needs to be shooting more than just seven attempts in a game. He's going to hit four of them. Kind of great. Wheeler had a good game. Obviously, he, he played 36. Great. He had, played 40. But not a whole lot from everybody else. Pretty much everybody that stepped onto the floor in this game contributed in, in a way. And, like, Cardwell was the was kind of the odd man out in this one because, you know, I think uh, it was just he, he got off to a rough start against, against Sheway. But Bruce ran him down after the game. I'll try to do one quick right here. Is that KD hit, hits big shots and rebounds. Jabari hits clutch shot after clutch shot, clutch play after clutch play. We'll talk more about him in a moment. Zepp Jasper, we already said it, plus 17 in 17 minutes. I mean, come on. Walker Kessler looks like Walker Kessler again and, and, and dominates around the rim, um, especially offensively. Alan Flanagan hits some good free throws, um, makes some tough plays, gets downhill, rebounds. Wendell Green Jr., not shooting the ball particularly well. He goes on a little run on his own, has some assist, overcomes the early turnover problem. Jalen Williams has seven quick points. Um, you know, I don't think Auburn wins or stays in it as long as they do in the first half without the spark from him. And then Devin Cambridge, just two points on a big dunk on a run out. But, uh, you know, in 12 minutes, he, he, he is a, he was a solidly a positive player and, and, and played awesome defense. You add all that up. It's like, it's hard for teams to compete with that. It's hard for teams to handle it because if you say, okay, well, if we take this one guy out of the equation or if we focus in on this, it's like, well, they've got all these other options that can make it happen. And and we already talked about how Kessler and Smith are the powerhouse uh, down low or in, in Smith's case, sometimes on the outside. But when you look at KD hit, getting hot at times, when you look at Green getting hot at times and these other guys um, having their stretches where they go on these individual runs, Kentucky couldn't, Kentucky couldn't match that. Kentucky could match it. They had a couple of guys that were playing really, really well. Um, and, of course, the Washington injury play, played a part with that. But we've said it all year long. Depth is their greatest strength, and this was a really good showcase of it. And one of the big things in this game, also, was when you look at the big men, the fact that Kessler, a little more efficient down low with his scoring. I mean, 
his ability to dunk that two man game is just we've said it over and over again but when they get the pick and roll and when you have a guy like Green or even Jasper and Flanagan or Katie Johnson at times getting it but mainly Green or Jasper um they get their step on their men right and they're going to the basket and if that big man doesn't slide over and try to help protect the rim it's going to be a bad time um, they're going to get to the, they're going to get to the basket. They're going to draw a foul. They're going to get a shot. And so they have to pull off just a little bit. And that's all the room, a seven foot one guy with athleticism and good hops needs to create it. I mean, Kessler hit eight shots in this game and seven of them were dunks. The last three games of the season or the last three games that they played, he is shooting 24, of, 24 of 28 on two point field goals. He is top. 10 in the country in two-point field goal percentage. He's also still the the best block guy on a percentage basis basis in college basketball. Uh, it's just he is rare. As, as, as rare as Jabari is and as pro-ready as Jabari is, Kessler, he, he it's hard to find a guy that athletic at 7-1 where, you know, you have this elite rim protector that also gives you automatic buckets time and time and time again. It's like, I don't know, if, if Kentucky can't figure out a good answer to slow down Kessler, I'm not saying he's going to be this dominant from beginning to end of the season, but if Kentucky can't figure it out, if Kentucky has a hard time keeping him from ducking the ball seven times in the game, what what is everybody else going to do? I don't think there's a good answer for it, except I, I, hope I really that he don't. gets bad calls on, you know, the officials do ticky-tacky stuff. Like, I do I do wonder I do wonder if uh you know, I do wonder if we're going to start seeing more teams stay at home on Kessler and and just seeing if, you know, Green and and, right. and those guys can just finish around the rim, right? Right. Or just be like maybe they'll be missing shots tonight. Yeah, I, I think that's Just like we can't we can't let the 7-foot-1 guy just go 80% from you know, I mean there's a certain level of like, all right, if Wendell Green's going to shoot 55% from the field and 40% from three, like, I guess we're just going to lose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's just what you got to do. And Jabari Smith, Kessler had the bigger game in terms of the stat sheet. Katie Johnson had more points and was it was more efficient. I don't know if you got this feeling as I did during the game, and you kind of go back and look through it. It's like every play that Jabari Smith had seemed like it was one of the biggest plays of the game. Yeah, he was breaking runs. He was calm. That jump shot nonsense that he does. Over a double team. I mean, it's got to be wildly frustrating as a good defender, you know, having a hand in a guy's face. And it's just like, <laughs> my, sir, it does not matter. One of my brothers texted me during the game. He said, Jabari looks every bit of eight foot two on some of these jump shots. I mean, you've got guys that are got crazy length and athleticism in Kentucky, and he's just rising over all of it. It's just that rip through is something else. And then I think the most remarkable defensive play of the season is that Shibway, the man built out of concrete, tries to go up on him, and Jabari stonewalls him and rips it away on a block, like an NBA Street Two block. I. I I you, you can ask can't relate couldn't be me you you can ask Bennett uh, Durando the advertiser who sits next to me at these games I, I was just like I I I had like a stone face reaction I was I was stunned like uh, it's like he goes up I was like oh this is gonna be tough and then it's just like nope gone eraser and he had a, you know, he had that other he had that other block uh, earlier where he just took Keon Brooks to school on defense 
the casual observer will notice the offensive game of Jabari, but we here, the intellectuals, like to talk about defense, and uh, he's not <laughs> hes not so bad at it, is he? He's pretty good. It's, uh, it's just so nice to walk out on the court and be like, the best player is on our team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, again, I've said a lot about him already, and I'm a big fan of his if you can't tell, but, like, Chibwey – most dominant player in college basketball this season in the stats, but Auburn had the better center in terms of production on a hole in this game, and they had the most talented player in this game. And that 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 means a lot. Uh, yeah, he was stopping runs. He just gets in that mood sometimes where it's like, I'm going to hit this shot. I'm sorry. And, and you're just going to have to sit there and watch me. Bruce does the whole, we've got, you know, there's nine out there, but we've got ten and you don't. That's another one. But an even better quote from him this year uh, on on uh, on Jabari Smith is this. Uh, quote, he's not afraid of the moment. Jabari knows because he holds himself to a high standard. When it gets to nut cutting time, he ain't afraid. And uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty good I think way. nut cutting was used on this podcast within the last week. So whoever said that is really <laughs> smart. Are you are you feeding Bruce Lyons now? Oh, man, we've got a text. We've got a DM. He tells me to be a salty boy online. <laughs> so I obey. I obey my master. You know, here's the thing. At least I'm honest about who I'm shilling for. All right. Like the coaches aren't going to kiss you on the lips. That's still the dumbest tweet I've seen for in forever. It's like they're not here to see Auburn. Like, yeah, dude. Like, even it. Like, I know what you were trying to get with that, but like, I, I, I guess. But it was like also like if you just take that tweet at face value, it is one of the stupidest things I've ever read in my life. Just terribly banal to point out that a program that wins a lot might have a target on its back. Yeah, I just whatever we move along knowing that uh one team won a basketball game in Auburn arena today and another team did not katie johnson an efficient katie johnson has to be one of the craziest things to watch if you're an opponent because the guy that everybody thinks plays a little too out of control he gets a little too eager a little too hyped up if he's like yeah i'm going to be deadly from beyond the arc and i'm not going to make very many mistakes in this game and i'm also going to be a wild man on defense I don't know what you do with that, especially if you're Kentucky again and, and, and Wheeler's getting knocked around out there and and Washington leaves early. I don't know what you do at that point if you're if you're an opponent. It's kind of like what we were saying with Kessler. Like, KD, there's a lot about, you know, how Carwell plays to the crowd and he's, he's you know, a, uh, obviously a showman and all that. But, like, I, I just feel like KD just goes – KD just goes to a different level, especially at home. Um I'd like to tell you where he really takes it to the next level. You might be surprised to know it's not on the basketball court. It's as a poster. He's a, he's a, he's a top-tier poster, uh, and, and we always appreciate the posters on here. That and Jabari Smith just being a, an elite-level trash talker is... is uh, Always helpful when you're the best player, but yes, it does still take some sauce to be witty. I think that's the other thing about this team, and we talk, we've talked about Peacock, and we've talked about this this fan base just um, going on, like I said, 150 miles an hour at every at every waking moment. As we said on the premium podcast, they, you know, somebody says anything negative, slightly negative, or not not aligned with with the Auburn basketball mantra right now, people are posting GPS coordinates of their house and a Google map screenshot, and be like, "This you?" Okay, so. Bruce Pearl and his staff have done a really good job keeping these guys one game at a time. We talked about Katie going right back to work after this game. 
you know, not looking ahead, not, not thinking too much, uh, about the future. Um, and all that's good. But like in the game, this is also a really good match of attitude and fan base because these dudes, you want to talk about Peacock. You want to talk about throwing it back at people. They've got some grade a trash talkers on this team. And that Katie Johnson loves nothing more than hitting a three pointer on your side of the floor, so he can look down and tell everybody on that on the on the bench what he feels about you. When you have Jabari Smith doing what he does against some of the best players in, in the country, it's a perfect mix of of you know attitude and and fan base. And I think that's a, especially in home games, it comes out really really well. Also, they post yeah. like you. I love everything that's happening here. I love the vitriol. Um, I love the winning. Uh, lots of winning makes everything better, and we're doing that at a high level. We've got some sweethearts on this team, but we've got plenty of boys who like to stare down at the other team's bench and let them know who is an alpha male. One of the crazy things about this game, Painter, Albert had two steals and one. Had two. Uh, yeah, yeah, they lost the turnover battle, but when you only have 12, it's not the end of the world. Terrible. It's not right. terrible. You, I, if you tell me this team has 12 turnovers the rest of the regular season, I feel good about us not losing more than two games. Before we uh, before we move on, I want to talk about what's going on uh, on Tuesday night because it'll be another podcast. Uh, by the time we do our next podcast, Auburn will already have played another basketball game. Um, so we need to discuss that here uh real quickly they play the missouri tigers i if you the most confusing team i think in the sec uh missouri uh they're coming off of a game where they had a four-point lead at the break to alabama and lost uh by four uh, lost by 10 uh bama coming back at home and coleman and getting getting a win this missouri team um they this week they blow a lead on the road to Alabama and lose by ten. They beat Miss. They beat Mississippi. They beat Ole Miss by twenty five on the road. Uh, they lost a close one at home to Texas A and M. They've gotten blown out by Arkansas and Kentucky, um, but they beat Alabama at home earlier in the year. Uh, this is this. Uh, there's something about there's something about Missouri in uh, in Mizzou Arena. Uh, they did lose to UMKC uh, and Wichita State, but they have won one, two, three, four straight. Yeah, four out of their last five home games. They did lose that one by three to A&M, like I said earlier. So just a really confusing team. They don't shoot very well, and they turn the ball over a lot, and their defense isn't great. But, like, you look up, and they're either getting blown out or they're hanging in there. It's going to be a weird game, I think, on Saturday. I'm not saying it's or Tuesday night. It's not going to be bad i don't think for auburn necessarily but no not worried not worried but i'll say this it's gonna be weird i think it could be weird like i I mean if they blew out old miss on the road and that was a place where auburn struggled early on like it's anything's possible that's so that's where i'm coming from in this game is that i think they'll be fine but an old miss team like that gave you everything you wanted right yeah had to play play a perfect game yeah you're gonna get that same level of effort and probably a similar result for Missouri. Like, it'll probably be one of the better games they play all year. And we saw them knock off Alabama. So, like, there's plenty of evidence that this will be a close game, but I'm not particularly worried. Kenbaum has Auburn beating them by 14. I bet that's going to be around the, where the line is for it. We'll see if that gets adjusted uh, anymore. But Missouri, 8-10. and 10, They have some really weird losses on their, on their resume. They have some weird close games and they have a couple of interesting wins including that one to Alabama um yeah they're just a they're just a really 
confounding team. It's going to get a lot of good effort from teams like Missouri. They're not as talented as Auburn. It's not close. But but they're going to probably give you the best effort that they'll give all season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's sort of the same thing Kentucky fans are patting themselves on the back about too much, I think. But, right. Yeah, well, it is. It is. There's an element of truth to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's it's a it's a weird game. Then they play then they play Oklahoma next Saturday. Oklahoma's lost four straight now. Now that is saying the Big Twelve. They're in year one under Porter Moser. Lost five out of last six. Um, but the Big Twelve is also the best conference in college basketball in terms of top tier talent. They've lost to Baylor twice. They've lost to Kansas. They lost to Texas. They lost to TCU in overtime. Beat Iowa State. Um, so that'll be that'll be an interesting one. Again, like you said, target on the back. They would love to be the one to knock Auburn off uh, the uh, off this this train that they're on right now. But I don't think Auburn's going to get like the number one ranking. I don't think that's going to really matter a ton and coming into this next game, just because I think the focus has been really high from Auburn. But like if they if they get off to a slow start, I'm not going to be surprised if Missouri starts hitting shots that they haven't been hitting consistently all year. I don't think anybody should be shocked by that. Yeah, and like if Auburn struggles in this game against Missouri, which I don't think is likely, it's not going to be because they're the number one ranked team. Like we've seen Pearl get his teams ready now for a number of years. Oh, yeah. It just it, it's like more than anything, it's another bullet point of like this is what Bruce Pearl is capable of doing. And while we're talking up Bruce Pearl, while we're saying all the rosy things that you do after a win, mm-hmm. I think it's important to note, you know, four-star Chuma Okiki, overperformed, over-delivered. Four-star Isaac Okoro, overperformed, over-delivered. Shreve Cooper, weird career at Auburn. Bruce Pearl insisted he he was a good... I think when he, I think when he was playing at the level, he was like the the few games. That I I would say he probably overperformed as well. I mean, his Bruce, his and, numbers and during that run was he wild. Could shoot. Yeah, yeah. Bruce insisted he could shoot the three, and I was like, Bruce, I know you like selling people high. Yeah, but like I I don't get it. And then he goes to the G League, and then of course J T Thor, like a year early. Now we've got Jabari, this guy that was a unanimous top ten prospect, but has jumped up the leaderboard. Like everywhere I look, Sam Vecini. Is it the Giveny? I mean, like they're all talking about Jabari as this number one guy. This, what Bruce is doing with the talent he has is incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's. I wrote about it with the Georgia thing uh, last week. The fact that they have been able to take guys and make them better, it makes a whole lot of sense why a guy like Jabari Smith would want to be. And you may never get a player like Jabari Smith ever again. Um, you may never get a player. Maybe even like Walker Kessler ever again, but you're gonna get a lot of dudes in that in that range. Like Chance Westry is a great yeah. Westry is a great example. He seems very Okoro Okiki like in terms of you know high four star. All right, let's see what he, let's see what he does when he gets here. Um, and, and he's, and he's got an interesting skill set. Getting ahead of myself, but like I'm already excited thinking about what this roster is going to look like next year, even with the departures. And I'll add like. This is the fun part of having a program that's built up. Like you can worry about little small details that sort of like are on the cusp of what makes you an elite team or not. But like I know no matter what, we have a good team waiting for us next season. It's it's all it's a whole lot of fun to be at because you're at a pro your your program is at a level now where this is gonna become maybe not number one in the country, maybe not number one seed, maybe not driver's seat for the SEC championship this early every year, but like this is around the range you can expect. This is this is what this is where the program's at at this point. So and this is anecdotal right? and and sort of um, this is a small point because only some of us are online. 
<laughs> like I do love the online community of Auburn basketball. Oh, it's so good. And it's so it's crazy. I, you know, maybe, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. It is insane. I, it's just like with football, the expectations are so different. I do wonder like if we get five more years of this program, it's probably going to shift, right? Because the expectations will shift oh, yeah. along them too. And so that makes like losing less and less acceptable or what have you. But uh, it, it, yeah, the the attitude, generally speaking, of Auburn Twitter is one that's like really fun to be a part of because people are having fun. <laughs> like I think you said it the other night, not necessarily at one another's throats so much. No, yeah, no, it's it's you know, it's very much like if you've seen, um, if you ever seen the other guys, or I'm sorry, is it the other guy? I always get these two movies confused. The other guys I'm thinking is a McKay film with Farrell and. Wahlberg. Yes, I'm thinking of the nice guys, which is well, an underrated McKay film. I think the other guys is great. I'm thinking of the nice guys. Uh, I always get these two names: the nice guys, uh, Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe, in the you know the uh, 1977, their private eyes. There's a scene where right like this bunch of crazy stuff, and Ryan Gosling's character looks over and he's like, "I don't think I can die." Um, I think that's where Auburn basketball fandom is at right now. And like, again, we've said it embrace it man like there's only a few times you're ever going to feel like this as a program as a fan base like a streak like this um the only the last time auburn basketball was in a streak quite like this in sec play was 1959 so like nobody listening to this remembers that and if you do shout out shout out to you but like i'm not the first person to make this point but i think it is rubbing alabama and georgia fans wrong because normally they think like well, they get the win in football, so they've got a year's worth of joy over you. And Auburn has this thing now where it's like, well, we'd like to win at football, but we're yeah. very invested in this thing too. Right? And football. By the way, football is the program that's got the most history. Football is the one that pays the most, uh, pays the bills. It's the one that's got the biggest state. Like we can all say that about football, but like, if you want to hammer home the Pat Dye quote about just loving Auburn, wanting to be awesome at everything, like that's this is what that looks like, and it's also what it looks like. You know, on Friday night when Auburn has a sellout crowd for for SUNY Lee and 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 that whole team's first home meet of the season, and they put up the second best score in program history in front of a sellout crowd, like that's, so yeah, football, and we'll talk about football here shortly. But like, it, it ain't football season. Your football problems, while you have to talk about them and 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 discuss them and what what's going to happen moving forward, that they definitely hold merit. All right, and it's going to hold people's attention. It pays the bills, obviously. It's basketball season. It's gymnastics season. It's about to be baseball and softball season. This is where the attention is right now. Yeah, flex it. Flex it. You may be new to this. You may be new to college basketball fandom or Auburn basketball fandom because the team's very good. I mean, yeah, that, you know. <laughs> That's how this works. It's how it works. It's how it, it's how it works. And, like, respect to it. those of you who've been who've been at it for years. Like, mad respect for, for getting through oh, it. But, like, yeah. let's, you know, no need to gatekeep whether nope. you're a fan of another team or even a fan of, of Auburn. And I haven't seen a ton of that from the fan base, which I think is really cool. I think that's, Yeah, I've mostly I think seen really it from cool. opposing fans. It's also the thing where it's, like, when people are, you know, and say it was, like, well, it was the Georgia fans are like, oh, yeah, but the football team. It's like, yeah, that you know how much of a dork you look like? It's like. Yes, football matters, and you know during football season that's a great bit of bragging rights. But if you have to default to what happened in football, like when when you're talking about basketball, you've already lost. You've already lost the argument. Like, and Auburn fans, including Painter, who does this already, if you engage with a fan online and they say, "But football," are like throw it back in their face. I want you to tomahawk it between their eyes. Um, and and know you've won the argument. <laughs> 
Take like that. you don't have to say anything else. You can just right. retweet the silliness that they've said. Cause like you've, and you've deflected like, in a ridiculous way. Kentucky can't even have that because even though Kentucky football has been very successful, um, you know, in recent, in recent years and is in a really good spot as a program, Auburn did beat them last time they played. Um, and I think most Auburn fans are like cool with Kentucky having football success. Like that is a genuinely cool thing for what like what Stoops has done. Oh yeah, you know it's just yeah. like a, uh, anyway. It has been fun to talk to them, and it is fun to talk to insecure fan bases that have to default to strange things instead of just enjoying the success they have and maybe not tweeting. But I understand. I get it. I I could probably do from a bit of that same advice. Nah, nah, not at this point. Wait till they lose before you do anything like that. All right. Um, before we move on to football and the news there, we've got some business to take care of. First off, let's talk to you about our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Painter, Homefield, best in the business, I think we can both say with absolute certainty. There's no doubt in my mind, I just wear my shirt around with nothing else on. Yeah, Winnie the Pooh in it. That's that's how you do it. Um, Homefield- you talk about high-level comfort, I mean... It's it's the best. The the most comfortable shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, sometimes joggers. If you're feeling if you're feeling in the mood, they've got cool designs for their stickers as well. Um, it's the best that you're gonna get anywhere, and it's premium vintage uh, logos uh, that you probably aren't gonna find anywhere else in terms of um, your options. Uh, it's like I'm saying, it's it's the it's the best quality apparel. It's the best quality logos. If you're an Auburn fan, listen here. You're going to be one of one of the cool kids that are that's out at Auburn Arena wearing the Sailor Aubie Vince Carter dunking shirt or the Sailor Aubie uh, with the side eye like Painter's Abbey or um, which uh, those also come in sweatshirts and, and hoodies, by the way. Or you want to have the cool uh, baseball script shirt in orange, which is a, is a really cool design. Maybe the 1965 original Aubie on a, on a, on a white T-shirt strikes your fancy maybe it's the flying eagle through the a you know maybe it's some more of the football designs that they've got uh maybe it's that 57 national championships one where where albie looks like an absolute king's uh sitting on a on a football got all that at homefieldapparel.com uh and if there's other schools that are very important to you or people you know or you just say hey that's a cool logo that's a cool design i want that homefield's got a ton of schools and they're updating daily it feels like now big new saturday season three underway your boy here is excited for some for some new drops coming up uh but yeah i mean they got troy if you're if you're if you're one of the chosen few like me that are that that that, uh have an affinity to the troy trojans but seriously i know we've got fans uh we got people who listen to this podcast they're fans of georgia southern uh we got fan we got fans of other big schools montana state uh i know montana um, there's some other ones, uh, out there. So check it out. Homefieldapparel.com. It is the best of the best. And we appreciate, uh, Connor and the gang for sponsoring us and, uh, and, uh, letting you, uh, letting us tell y'all all about it. And I'll, I'm telling you, we, we would say it anyway. Homefield's the best in the business. Promo code observer. When you check out your first time ordering, uh, gives you 15% off your order. Uh, so you want to do that at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, and uh, get you some nice, comfortable stuff right now from home field. Painter, it's been a big week for the Observer. Been a big couple of weeks. A lot of people coming on board. It's a great time to join. $6 a month or $60 a year. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more of it, 
um, we get a bonus one once a week. You get twice as much podcast, and you get all the newsletters, uh, the analysis of Auburn basketball and football, which hopefully you can't find in the same way we do it anywhere else. Uh, last week, we had a really cool podcast with our buddy Justin Lee. That was a premium um, episode. He broke down Auburn gymnastics for us. And we talked some uh, we talked some football and, and basketball with him. So looking to have maybe some more guests coming on here in the near future. A lot of people really enjoy that. So uh, you're going to want to be a part of the inner circle, $6 a month or $60 a year. But there's also a way to help us out, which gives you, which, which requires absolutely no money down, $0.00. And zero cents. It's really easy to do, and Painter's going to tell you all about it right now. We're not worried about MSRP, folks. We're worried about subscribing, rating, reviewing. Maybe you're like me, and you feel like you're driving down the road trying to send a text message, and all the lights keep turning green too fast. It's like I finally need a red light, and yet all the lights are working in my favor. So sometimes I think to myself, what is it that I could be doing right now to make these lights turn green? And if you need to get somewhere, you can subscribe, rate, review. All right, It takes like 20 seconds, but it makes all the lights turn green. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly right. We can guarantee it. All you got to do is get an Apple device. Um, if you have one, if not, if you know somebody who has one, take theirs, use it, go to the podcast app, click the search button in the bottom right corner, type in the Auburn observer, click the Auburn observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, tap five stars, hit write a review, say something nice about painter. We'll read it on the air cause we're vain people. And, uh, we really, really do appreciate it cause it helps us out a ton. It gets more people's eyeballs on the product, helps us grow. And we're a, we're a group that tries to grow as organically as possible, and you guys have made that uh, made that happen. So, Peter, we've got a lot of reviews to read. You ready? Of course. All right. Let us start with a pod with a podcast review from our friend Jack. Jack, um, who uh, who's been who's been a uh, a follower of ours for a while, it's actually. Painter is one of the coolest followers I think we have because he uh, he is a professional wrestler in Japan. Um, so we're going to shout out Jack here. Jack says, I want to thank the many, many people of the Observer. Without the continuous content from Justin and Painter, I would have not have won my pro wrestling match against Masao Ando. The long nights of riding the railways after wrestling training were a little brighter when reading the mailbag or Justin's observations, at least the basketball ones. The 4 a.m. workouts through the gym were continuously energized by Justin and Painter's voices. Here's to my future domination of not just Japanese pro wrestling, but the entire world, all thanks to The Observer, your friend, Jack. Shout out to Jack. It's probably one of the coolest reviews we've gotten to this That's point. That's incredible. Yeah. This is where I'm... Uh, PayRob21 says, A nuclear bomb of shooty hoops knowledge and Painter's silky smooth pipes. Far more knowledgeable than anything I heard at Duke this weekend. All right. Um, this is Hose Toter 14 says, new listener, love the pods, love the emails. Everyone should go be a subscriber. The info is worth it. Well, thank you. Thank you, both of you. Sir Victor S., I love this pod, and painter potting from Parts Unknown has been the highlight for me. Thanks for the home field mention. I bought a few items from them due to this pod. The pod is great, and painter is the man. That's right. Praise home field, praise painter. That's a great review right there, Victor. It's from Martha. Martha Ponder says, great recap of Auburn Sports. Guys provide the insight on Auburn sports. Like the breakdown of the players on this amazing basketball team. Thank you very much, Martha. It's from Luther's Sunday Lunch. Hey. 
says Team Ferg. Five stars for Justin. No, let's make it six because I took back one star. I was going to leave. Oh, nope, not going to read the rest of that. It's better suited for the boys in blue anyway. <laughs> Hello, painter. This one from Hokey Heck says, do not give anyone other than these two gorgeous, gorgeous boys any of your money for AU coverage. The basketball analysis is strong. Love you, painter. And the last one, B-Ball OG. Fun listening to young people as into Auburn basketball as I and a few buds were five or six coaches ago. Keep carrying that torch. That's awesome. Great reviews. Appreciate you guys. I mean, that, that really doesn't mean a lot. We're vain, so we read them on the air. But uh, we continue to say it, obviously. It doesn't happen without all the – No. It's, it's, it's extra cool to buy in and, like, getting to hang out online with people and that sort of thing. But – uh, even if it is vain, we do appreciate it. Yeah, we've picked up a lot of subscribers here these last couple of weeks because so many people are excited about Auburn Hoops. We're going to keep that rolling on. It's the, it's the bulk of the podcast, the bulk of our, our writing moving forward. But, Painter, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the the football news going on. Um, Absolutely fantastic PR work by Auburn. We are all looking the other way, and they're like, and things are happening, but they're too excited to notice. So an hour before tip-off uh, on uh, <laughs> on Saturday. Um, they, all right, so let's let's rewind. If you listen to our Thursday podcast, we talked about the news that Derek Mason uh, would not be back at Auburn, as Auburn's defense coordinator, most likely ending up at Oklahoma State. We will see how that all shakes out. Um, on Friday, it became uh, reported uh, by the good folks who do a lot of great reporting on this beat, support them all. There's a ton of outlets um, uh, that, are, that are covering – uh, this beat and, and are plugged in with sources and they do great, great work. Um, and I shout all of them out. I don't know if, off the top of my head who was first on these. So I apologize. I just tell you a lot of people had it. Um, and, um, you know, turned out to be correct, uh, because you can trust the people who, uh, who cover this team They're They're as plugged in as anybody out there. Um, so Derek Mason out, Jeff Schmetting, uh, Auburn inside linebackers coach, assistant head coach, uh, former defense coordinator for uh, Brian Hartson at Boise State. Had a lot of uh, experience, obviously, as a defense coordinator at Eastern Washington. He's moving on up to the big job. Um, that also means that Auburn needed to bring in a linebackers coach. Uh, that linebackers coach is going to be uh, Christian Robinson, who was the linebackers coach for the last four seasons at Florida. Uh, he takes really takes Schmetting's spot as linebackers coach and also defensive run game coordinator. Uh, also, Zach Etheridge uh, will be uh, coaching the entire secondary now, and he's going to be the recruiting coordinator moving forward. Did great work uh, in the early period there and is going to keep on with that. Jimmy Brumball, former Auburn All-SEC defensive lineman, uh, who spent time at Kentucky, spent time at Tennessee, most recently at Oregon. Uh, is now the defensive line coach. Uh, he's got a pretty good track record, especially during his days at Kentucky with some some all-pro uh, defensive linemen that came out from there. So he's he's back uh, on the plains as a defensive line coach. And, uh, Painter, your boy, Burt Watts, um, is going to continue to be special teams coordinator and the edge linebackers uh, coach, but he's also now an associate head coach. So a promotion there for Burt. So a lot of changes on the defensive side of the ball. That guy would be real fun to drink light beers with on a golf course. I'm convinced of it. Bert? Yeah. Yeah. Your boy, Bert. Um, Just a huge fella. So here's the thing. We talked about this uh, with Lee on Thursday. You know, I'm still of the opinion that Derek Mason's stepping away uh, and, you know, not seeming to be on the same page, eye to eye, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, 
with the staff. I think it's a blow for continuity. It's a blow, I think, for recruiting. I, I think Derek Mason did a, a good job as Auburn's defensive coordinator. They improved yeah, it is hard to find areas. a spot. Yeah, it's hard to find a spot where you felt like Derek Mason was bringing you down. Yeah, I mean, the Mississippi State game was very bad. Uh, the Penn State okay, game no, was Okay, no, you're very right. Bad. Actually, that's okay. <laughs> that that yeah. is one where you could go, hey, Painter. But Auburn had such a bad offense – this one after Bo Nix went down, and in the month of November they struggled so much, but they were in, you know, those games because of their of their defense. Yeah, I don't think anybody went into this season or left this season going, man, if the defense had just been a little bit better. Yeah, no, I don't think that's the case at all. So Mason stepping away um, seemed to be a case of, you know, this was kind of in the works already. He had been linked to a couple other jobs. Um, seemed like reading between the lines. That staying on board for for that early recruiting period was big. Bringing some of these guys back was big, but it just wasn't it wasn't working out long term. Um, and so now Auburn's going to have to replace uh, a really well respected guy in Derek Mason. So to do that, they promote Jeff Schmetting, um, who you know solid work with the, with the linebackers here. Obviously, somebody Brian Harson trusts, uh, has experience with him, um, has experience as a defensive coordinator. And I think for continuity and I think for consistency, you know, we'll see how much the scheme changes. We'll see how much kind of gets tweaked. But I think there's a lot of value in, in having a familiar voice in the room stay on board. And Auburn's not having to completely hit the reset button uh, with a defense that, you know, I, again, like I said, I think Mason leaving could have an impact on Auburn could, you know, I think it could be a, a negative um, for, for the defense moving forward. But I also see how this could end up being all working out for Auburn and then being fine on defense just because of the talent they've got, you know, all those dudes that are coming back. Um, and we'll see, you know, what all this means for the roster moving forward with Mason out. But, I, you know, there's always going to be kind of the the questions like, oh, what about the, you know, oh, you got another guy who's from Boise and all that. It's like, we'll say this one thing about Brian Harson. I don't know how you feel about this painter, but uh, we'll say a thing one one about Brian Harson. Whether this works out or not long term, you know, with these with these moves and this hire in general uh, of him, it's like I don't think anybody can say he didn't do it on his own terms. You took, yeah, I hate that you said that because that was the thing I was I was going to next. It's like you know, I don't. I, I don't know if you have to give him credit for it because we'll see what the results are. My man absolutely has an idea of what he thinks it takes to be successful. Yeah, it, it, he it may not work, but I mean, he's he's going down Brian Harson's way, right? And so and and it could work out. Like that's the that's the thing is that you know I think Auburn's defense, yo, all of these moves on all these staff moves and they all have significance and, and we won't know really the full significance of it for a while now. And it, it is the heart of basketball season. So we try to keep, you know, focus on that right now, but it is important to talk about. Um, offense is where the thing, where things got to get better for Auburn. They got to figure out, you know, who, who the quarterback is uh, and, and, you know, get better after losing Bo Nix. Um, they've got to, they've got, to get a lot of help, I think, at wide receiver, whether it's developing guys internally, maybe bringing a new guy or two in to, to pop it and see if that that see if that room can take off. Running game, the bringing those guys back on the offensive line, you know, you could see where there's pieces where this thing could take a step forward, you know, at least in the running game next season. But you know, that's that's a that's a big question mark. That's the side like defense. 
these all matter, but you know, I I feel like it's the offensive side that's going to be the the one that makes or breaks twenty twenty two for Brian Harson and potentially you know the tenure. You know, I I think if Auburn really really struggles, um, you know, there, there's not going to be a whole lot of patience around. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, Georgia and Alabama and LSU are your last three national champions. Um, Auburn wants to be back in that range again. There's going to be people that want want to get that done. Feels like we haven't heard a lot from Alan Green in a while, and there's obviously a new president coming in. Are the people who are generally the decision makers and the people with the money going to be very patient? Appreciate everybody listening uh, to the Observer podcast. Appreciate you guys for subscribing and supporting, and and even if you're just a free listener on the weekends, you guys are special to us as well. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, like Painter said. Uh, give us five stars and a, and a nice review on Apple or give us five stars on Spotify or both. Uh, we won't be picky. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Oh, I will. You got to do both. You plenty of red lights. Tight game right now between Arkansas and Texas A&M. 15, 19 left to go uh, in, the, in the second half. So we'll see. Put we'll the see. Packers and Giants on right now. Not Giants. The 49ers. The Giants are terrible. Also. Also. That's right. Timmy Chang, now the new head coach at Hawaii. Go Bows. Uh, not the direction I thought we were. Where, where am I going to go? Uh, that, well, that was a good announcement on your part. I was thinking we were about to heap praise on the Buffalo Boys. Yes. Our beloved Buffalo Bills take on the Kansas City Chiefs tomorrow. Is it crazy for me to say that Josh Allen is, you know, terrifically fun, but, like, it's still – I'm taking Patrick Mahomes any day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like but, I think, the, but the rest Allen's, of the rest of the bills might be better, you know. Yeah, and I just I I know there's so popular to like jump on Mahomes this season and talk about like if he'd been figured out. It's like, I, don't, I don't think so. No, no, I don't think you figure <laughs> I don't that think out. So I don't think you figure that out. I think you just play better at times, and other times you don't. So, go Bills, Panter. Your final thoughts. Much love to all of you who I love very much. <sighs> Okay, here we go. Yeah, I'm afraid, like I'm scared as a dog, but I've got a new song, and I want y'all to sing along, sing along. See, this is the way that we're